0: All right. Hey, good evening, Summit Church. Great to see you here tonight. My name is Andy, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, just like Mark said, we are actually in the very last week of this mini series that we've been doing A City in a City, where for four weeks we've just been looking at some traits of some of the very first followers of Jesus, what it looked like for them to do life together, and uh, consequently what that means for us today as followers of Jesus in this city that we love. And uh, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, Gratitude and generosity. Gratitude and generosity. And even this week, I've been thinking a lot about that idea of gratitude. Uh, this past week, in particular, uh, this past week was the first week back to school uh, for our kids, in case your social media was not bombarded with adorable pictures. And uh, even my two kids, Raleigh and Elliot, Raleigh uh, started kindergarten this year. My son Elliot started uh, preschool. In fact, I brought some of those adorable photos. I know you were asking for them. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's, that's Raleigh and Elliot, and then I think there's another one on our way to school. Yeah, I mean, can you think of a better way to start your day? Isn't that amazing? Uh, that, that's us on our way, and uh, you know, you just don't really know how it's going to go, though, on that first week. Particularly that first day it can be a pretty traumatic thing. There can be a whole lot of tears, both from kids and from parents alike. It's, it's a high possibility, and uh, As we were walking to school that day, uh, you know, here's what happened. You can take down the picture or else you guys aren't going to listen to me at all. You're just going to admire them. Um, You know, we're walking to school. It's like a block away from our house. It's our neighborhood public school. We love it. And uh, we're we're on the way. And it's funny because uh, this is Elliot's first year. And so Raleigh, she's just trying to be a good big sister. And she's talking to Elliot. And she said, Elliot, Elliot, are you nervous? Elliot, are you scared? Elliot, do you have butterflies in your stomach? And I'm thinking, Raleigh, quit asking him questions. Like he wasn't nervous. Now and you don't have to make him nervous. And so uh so we keep going and you know, he's if you know Elliot, he is pretty he's a pretty chill three year old and uh he recognizes that I mean, you can almost see it in his face. It's like, does it really matter? I'm three. I don't have a choice in the matter today. Like, I just go where my parents make me go anyways. And today it happens to be school. But we get there, we get to the school, we drop off Raleigh, we drop off Elliot, and they do great. I mean, it was awesome. They did so great. There's was nothing but smiles, nothing but excitement, no tears at all. In fact, uh, we get to Elliot's class, and he just walks right in, goes right, finds a seat, sits down, kind of turns around, gives me a those, bye, Dad, and I'm like, you're breaking my heart, and just kind of like get out of there as soon as I can so I don't start crying in front of them. And Man, we're, we're, we're walking home, and as we're walking home, Angela and I are just kind of looking at each other saying, was, was that really like as easy as we just thought it was? Like, Did, did that really just happen? And we're just talking, and we're reflecting, and, and we're just kind of, gosh, we just said to each other, we just have so much to be grateful for. And we just have so much to be grateful for right now, walking through that school campus uh, you know it, it literally, uh, and honestly, it made me begin to tear up, uh, not because my kids are growing up, uh, but really just all of these kids. You see all of these kids and their parents, their mom their dads or their grandparents, and you have this beautiful beautiful diversity there at our school, and you 're overhearing all kinds of conversations in different languages there 's all kinds of different ethnicities we 're actually a minority there, we love our, our school and As we're walking through it, we just couldn't help but think and really just kind of feel. Have you ever felt this before? We just felt like, God, you have us exactly where you want us right now. Like, this is exactly where we are supposed to be. Ever had that feeling It's kind of rare, but it is so, so good. And we were just so grateful. And I feel like for the last several weeks, we've just been kind of walking in that. We've been receiving it. We've been thanking God for it. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's coincidental that for the last several weeks, we as a church have been looking a lot at the book of Acts. And we've been looking at what it looks like for the first followers of Jesus to do life together in community with one another, to live out their faith and Personally, I've been reading through the entire book of Acts just from start to end. And then once I get to the end, I just go back and read it through again. Our entire staff has been doing this. And man, I will just tell you, this has been one of the most encouraging things that I have done for a while. And if you are in any way like just... Trying to find something to read right now, or you're new to the Bible and you just want to kind of jump into this, this will be an incredible exercise for you this week. Just to read through the entirety of the book of Acts. You could do that in one sitting. Just sit down, read it, maybe 45 minutes later, you will see the entire story of the first Christian church just unfold. It has been amazing. And that's what I've been doing over the last several weeks. And as I've been doing this, you know, one of the things I've noticed while reading through the book of Acts is that Luke, the author of this book, He's really diligent about capturing a lot of the emotions behind this movement. I think that's really fascinating. He gives, he gives so many great te- details about what's happening behind the scenes. Not just like, what happened, but what it was like. One of the things I've been struck by while reading through the book of Acts is, like, this is there's just this prominent theme of Gratitude. All through the pages of this book, it pops up literally time and time again, almost to the point where it's bizarre. I mean, you've got men and women who decide to follow Jesus at a time when often it was illegal, at a time when a lot of times their family members or their friends were being imprisoned, even killed for belonging to the church, yet you still see these people who are bizarrely grateful and excited to be a part of this, even in the worst of times. Which I just feel like, if I'm being honest, you know... That's been remarkably challenging to me, to see people like that, to see this story unfold where you, where you see in such prominent ways this theme of gratitude highlighted over and over and over when I realize that the, the natural propensity of my heart just doesn't tend to be gratitude all the time. You know, I even think about the fact that uh, I've actually got three kids, uh, a five, three, and one-year-old, and uh, what that means, I know a lot of you don't have kids here, but what that means... Uh, when you have a five, three, and one-year-old, that means the probability that I'm going to be woken up in the middle of the night is incredibly high, usually for the most random of reasons. Like, Daddy, it's 2 a.m., I want to drink of water. Daddy, I lost my stuffed animal. Daddy, I had a bad dream. Daddy, I want a different colored blanket tonight. You know, like the most random things at three in the morning. And, I, and you know, I just can't say, I can't stand up here and, and say right now that in those... Uh, times at three in the morning uh, the natural propensity of my heart is not to say thank God that my kids know they have such a bond with their father that you know at any hour they can call out on his name and he will be there they love me so much no that's just not the propensity of my heart my propensity in those moments is you better go back to sleep right now (laughs) and so today as we look at the book of Acts and what life looked like for the first Christian church here's what I want to do today First, I just want to spend a little bit of time understanding why. Why the people of God were marked by such genuine gratitude. Like, why was that the case? And then secondly, I want us to see, not just for the early church, but even for ourselves here today, what happens when a deeply grateful people become a radically generous people. What happens when a deeply grateful people become a radically generous people? Now, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 tonight, uh, those those verses that Mark just read a minute ago. We're going to start in verse 32, so if you have your Bible out, uh, you're going to want it in front of you. And what's happening here is Luke is describing what's unfolding in the city of Jerusalem shortly after the first Christian church was started. Now, here's what he says in verse 32. Follow along with me. Verse 32, he says, Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, this is pretty amazing, because what what Luke is saying here in verse 33 is that the apostles, those were just people that Jesus had sent out, commissioned to go teach other men and women from all nations about Jesus. As they were doing this, they were teaching about the death and the resurrection of Jesus all throughout the city of Jerusalem people started believing. In fact, a lot of people started believing. At this point in the story, approximately 5,000 men and women had come and converted to the Christian faith and began to worship Jesus as Lord together with all these others. And Luke, he gives us this beautiful description of the people who believed. I love what he says right here in verse 32. He says, they were of one heart and soul. I love that description. Those those words, I mean, they almost kind of conjure up uh, what you would imagine, or, or at least hope for, in a really loving marriage, right? One heart and soul. There's this beautiful unity. There's this deep joy, this great sense of companionship and, and togetherness that goes to the core of who you are. That's what those words mean together. One heart and soul. It's this deep, deep friendship. And particularly for this, these Christians, like, this was a pretty amazing thing. They were kind of an unlikely group of people to come together and do life with one another. They were diverse, they were were rich, and they were poor from different backgrounds. But what does Luke say? They were of one heart and soul. Now we know that they did not initially have everything in common when it came to their their backgrounds and their upbringings, but, but because they did share this fundamental belief about Jesus, that he was the son of God. And he came to earth to set us free by his death and his resurrection because they had that in common. You see, uh, you could look at them. I mean, anybody could look at them and it, it didn't even really matter. Even from the outside, you could look on it and you could see it didn't matter if you believed or not. You know, I'm not exactly sure what they believe or who they are or why they believe what they believe, but wow, look at how they love one another. Look at how they, they care for one another. You see, there was something deeply attractive, something fascinating. It was almost bizarre. As the Christian faith spread from city to city to city across an entire region of the world, it didn't matter if you believed or not. It was impossible to not notice the bizarre way in which these people loved and cared for one another and lived with such a unique gratitude. You know, to be honest, uh, it's really not like that terribly surprising either because it still happens today. You know, on one hand, I'm privy to be able to hear all the stories about uh, the, the myriad of ways in which you all are being able to radically demonstrate love to our community. The stories I'm just able to hear about the way that you're showing love and caring for one another, uh, I get to hear this. But also, um, what's really, really actually interesting is even at this very hour, what's happening when we gather every single Sunday. Let me give you an example. Um, I love every single Sunday as, uh, as we're gathering, I usually stand out there in the lobby uh, underneath that big garage door, and I'm watching out to Larimer Street. And what's happening? Every Sunday, you see a number of people just walking up and down Larimer Street, and they're headed to, uh, I don't know, either in the morning they're headed to brunch, or maybe they're going to get a milkshake at night or a brewery. They're going somewhere. And what happens every single Sunday is they're walking by, they see the garage door, they see all the people, and then they begin to slow down a little bit. And they do the head tilt. Like There's a lot of people in there. Like What's, what's everybody doing in there right now? Now, is it a brewery? No, it's not a brewery. Uh, is it a restaurant? It's kind of an ugly restaurant, if it was. You know, like, what is it that, like, is going on in there right now? I they see the neon sign, and they're like, oh, the Summit Church. Is it really a church? Yep, it's really a church. I know, that, you know, you know it's hard to believe, but that's actually what's going on here. And here's the thing. Like some of you are here now because literally for weeks or for months or even for years, you walked by or you jogged by or you were on your way to work and you consistently saw people gathering here and thought, there's something intriguing about that. Like, What's going on in there? I kind of want to see. And, and now you are actually a part of this church family because you had the courage to actually walk up that driveway and, and enter into these doors. Even this past week, this past week, true story, I was having a conversation with a business owner here in our neighborhood, and uh, he's someone who's been in the neighborhood for over a decade, for a long time, and, uh, and, and he's a friend of ours, and he's not a follower of Jesus, but he's really interested in our story, and had a conversation with him, and he was just asking a little bit more about our, our history and what it was like, and I was kind of talking to him about that, just recounting to him you know, where we came from, how we got there, and and I told him um, one of the very first places that we met in this neighborhood in Rhino uh, in the early days was actually at the Block Building, which is at 29th and Larimer Street. It's now called the Block Distilling Company. It's directly across the street from Shake Shack. And, uh, and I was telling him this, and he said, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Your church used to meet in that building? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to gather there. There was like maybe 40 or 50 of us, and we would come together just on Sunday nights, and we'd read the Bible, study the Bible, sing a few songs, and then we'd all as a church go out to Wahoos and eat tacos together. That's just what we did, like every Sunday night. And he goes, no kidding, wow, I remember that. And it's like, wait, what? I was like, this is, a while. This is like almost seven, eight years ago. And he's like, no, 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 I remember that. He said, I would come in town, I would come into the neighborhood on Sunday nights my office just a few blocks down the street, and I would just try to get some work done before the work week began. It was quiet, and I would come, and I remember driving down Larimer, and I would just see all these people standing out on the sidewalk, a lot of young people, and I would just remember seeing this crowd every Sunday evening and think, wow, that looks so peculiar. That looks bizarre. Like, what are all those people doing? And uh, he said, yeah, I remember, and I was like, yeah, you know, that, that was us, and he said, yeah, I remember driving in. I would see, and I was always trying to figure out what it was. He's like, I-, I knew it wasn't a brewery. There weren't any breweries in the neighborhood at this point. And I know, I guess I'm trying to think, is it a club? He's like, you guys look happy, but not cool enough to be a club. <laughs> like, Thanks, no offense taken uh, at all. And he said, I just remember it was so bizarre, and I'm just watching you week after week. It was a very peculiar sight, and I just still remember that. And essentially, as he spoke, you could tell What he was doing was just trying to wrap his mind around the fact that I'm just not used to seeing people meaningfully gather in this city without a drink in their hand or a band on the stage. And the way that you guys would come together week after week after week, seemingly enjoying one another, well, that's just not really anything like anything else that I'm accustomed to in this city. It's quite bizarre. And he's right. He's right. Why is that? Like, why? why does Luke describe the people of God as a people who had a noticeable and shockingly deep sense of gratitude 2,000 years ago? Why can a business owner today, in one of the most impressive, exciting, energetic neighborhoods in the entire country, be consistently caught off guard by the joyful gathering of men and women in our city? What produces that? What, what, what causes that? You know what it was? You know what it is? its It was because of an act of cosmic generosity. An act of cosmic generosity. The men and women filling the streets of Jerusalem, the men and women filling these very seats 2,000 years later are those who personally know that they are the recipients of the greatest act of cosmic generosity in the entire history of the world. What Luke is saying is that gratitude is then not just some sort of Seasonal happiness because, I don't know, you got a raise or a new job or you took a vacation. Gratitude is not even just trying to keep a positive outlook on life. No, Luke is saying that gratitude is a posture of our hearts. And the reason why these Christians were marked by such deep gratitude was because their hearts had been deeply transformed by the generosity of Jesus. You see, Jesus, when... When Jesus became a man and walked this earth, he didn't come just to be a wise teacher or a moral example. Some people think that it's so far from the truth. Jesus did not come to be a good example for us. He actually came to die for us. That was the ultimate purpose. He came to die in the place of you and of me. And it was and it is the greatest act of cosmic generosity we've ever seen, that God himself, though he was rich, he would become poor. He would break into history. He would give himself up to, for us to the point of death so that we could receive the very thing that we never deserved. It's what we call the great exchange. The great exchange where at the cross, God treats Jesus the way that we deserve to be treated. He treats us the way Jesus deserves to be treated. He becomes poor. We become rich. Again, it's the greatest act of cosmic generosity that's ever been demonstrated and it's been demonstrated towards every single one of us. And that... Luke says, is what creates a people who are known for their shockingly deep sense of gratitude. We deserve nothing but death. We're given life. We deserve nothing but eternal separation from God. What are we given? Eternity with him, our king. Not because we earned it, but because he was freely and generously giving it for us. Now what does that mean for us today? I'm just going to give you one point of application for this part. And if gratitude is a matter of the heart, it's not just an attitude that we put on and take off. Let me just say this to you who don't currently feel overwhelmingly grateful. For those of you who do not currently feel overwhelmingly grateful, and if you're a follower of Jesus, don't hear this as a judgment upon you or a guilt trip, that's not what this is at all. Because I just know, I know there are seasons in the the life of every believer, when you just might not feel overwhelmingly grateful. You don't spring out of bed at three in the morning when your kid is crying, just thinking, I can't wait to help you right now. Like, more tears, please, more tears, please, more, more. No, you're not overwhelmingly grateful. And regardless of whatever season you might be walking through right now, maybe just even take a moment to think, reflect, What you have been wrestling with, what you have been thinking about, what's been keeping you up at night, the things that you've been just dealing with over the last couple weeks. Maybe you're not overwhelmingly grateful right now, but maybe you feel tired. Maybe you feel angry. Maybe you feel sad. Maybe you feel discontent. Maybe it's jealous. Maybe it's scared. Maybe you don't even know how you feel right now because you shut down that part of your soul so long ago that you don't even feel anything anymore. Maybe you just feel blah. (laughs) That's biblical. Blah. There are times when you feel that, maybe you feel that right now. You you know what Jesus has done for you. You cognitively know what he's done for you. You know that he's died for your forgiveness. You know that he was raised for your freedom, empowered you for life and godliness, and that he looks at you and cherishes you as a daughter or a son of the king. You you might cognitively know those things, but you don't feel deeply, deeply grateful for them. Here's why I want to encourage you tonight. Here's, here's what I would just want you to hear tonight if you are a follower of Jesus, because in my own experience, you know, what I've learned, it's almost impossible for me to kind of jumpstart this type of joy or gratitude in my heart by myself. It, it's almost impossible for me to do this by myself. You know, a lot of times the advice you might hear in church is often like, well, if you're not feeling grateful, you just need to go read your Bible more and ask Jesus to make you grateful. Which, on one hand, I mean, that's not really bad advice. You know, like I said earlier, I think if if you went this week, for example, and you read through the entirety of the book of Acts, and you asked the Spirit to bring about a a sense of gratitude in your heart, I think he would love to do that. You know, so on one hand, I'm not saying that's bad advice. I think it might be really good. But on the other hand, man, I feel like I read this passage and I see what Luke is saying about the church here. I think the secret's right in front of us. Look what he says again, verse 32. What does it say? He says, they were of one heart and soul. Verse 32 again, they had everything in common. Verse 33, great grace was upon who? Them all. You notice what he's saying? This joy did not spring up in isolation. It took everyone. It was cultivated in community what does that mean? It means you need somebody else to help you be grateful. Jesus did all the work, and we need friends to help celebrate. That's the easiest way I can remember this. Jesus did all the work. That means that's the reason why we can be grateful. Jesus did all the work, and we need friends to celebrate. That's how we walk in gratitude, alongside one another. We need other people to help us be grateful. And so this is my encouragement to you tonight. If you don't feel overwhelmingly grateful, if you feel any of those other things right now, if you feel like, you know what? I do know these things. I know Jesus has done this for me. I know what I believe, but I just don't feel really grateful for these things. Here would be my encouragement to you this very week. Find a friend. Find somebody just to get with and be honest about that very thing. To be honest about that very thing where it's just, I just don't, I mean, you can even blame it on me. Blame it on Andy. Say, hey, okay, can we get together? Hey, that thing that Andy said on Sunday, that's how I feel right now. I know it's true. I just don't feel this way. This is like where I'm at. And I just promise if, if you can give yourself permission to be honest about that, if you can actually reach out to somebody, if you can have the courage to take that step, Now, don't everybody email me, okay? Find somebody, like, find somebody this week to do this. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. My inbox is going to be full, like, with all you like, I want to do this. No, find somebody. This is what the church is about. Brothers and sisters, men and women, who, like, we exist to be able to do this with one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to be able to be honest with one another. Hey, I'm just not feeling really, really grateful right now. Can we just pray and ask the Spirit to do that in my heart? Because I need that. And I I promise, you do that. You, You just, like, have the courage. You give yourself permission to do something like, and just see what God will do. That's the first thing I think Luke wants us to see tonight. These followers of Jesus were marked by such deep, deep gratitude because their hearts have been deeply transformed by the generosity of Jesus. Now secondly, what happens next is even more incredible and incredibly bizarre for many of us today. We're going to keep reading uh, in Acts chapter 4. Start in verse 32 again. Follow along with me. Luke says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, There was not a needy person among them, For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and was distributed to each as any had need. Now, some people think this is the beginning of communism. They're wrong. Okay, it's not communism. Why? Because this was completely voluntary, which is just a little bit different than communism. What does verse 36 say, though? Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He's giving us a very specific example here. Uh, Barnabas, he sold a, a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, again, remember, Luke's not just telling us what happened, but what it was like. And this passage, I just feel like it captures that so well. I mean, I just imagine Luke getting so excited as he's writing this, just reflecting back on what it was like in those early days. I can just just imagine, you know, was like, man, it it was incredible, like we were just so grateful. We were so excited. It was, so, it was something. We were like this big family, and we, were, you know, we didn't really even care what we owned. We were sharing with one another. We were borrowing from one another. Everybody was so excited. Some of us were just so incredibly grateful that we began selling off houses and property to help those who didn't yet have enough, and it's just what we did. It was just the way of life. It's just, it's just what happened. This is why Christianity was so bizarre, It was a completely foreign way of living compared to every culture that ever was engaged by the the, the Christian faith. That's the story of Acts. That's really the story of the entire Christian faith. The gospel would spread from city to city to city. And as Christians put the gospel on display, living these deeply grateful lives marked by radical generosity towards others, leveraging their privilege like we talked about last week, pursuing ethnic diversity and racial reconciliation like the week before. As Christians gave themselves to these things, cities would start to flourish in a brand new way. Why? Because suddenly you had a community of people who weren't totally obsessed about my stuff and my money and my hobbies and my preferences and my time. You see, when the gospel comes into somebody's life, it kills the it's mine mentality, which runs up against basically about everything we've ever been taught as Americans, right? But the older you get, the more you realize none of this is really mine anyways, is it? I'm on borrowed time with everything I have. I mean, I just even think about the house that I live in, just a few blocks from here. I mean, sure, my name is on the title. I go to sleep there every single night, but is it really mine? I mean, it was there for 130 years before me, and I'm pretty sure it'll be there for well after I'm gone. The gospel though awakens me to the reality, I am just a steward of all things for a short, short, almost microscopic period of time. My money, my stuff, even my kids, they're not mine. I like to remind them that every once in a while, especially in public, when they're acting out, they're not mine. I don't know them. They're not mine. <laughs> no, I'm a steward. I'm a steward of them. I've been entrusted with them, but they belong to someone else. That's actually really good news. Corey Ten Boom, the well-known Holocaust survivor, once famously said, "I've learned to hold everything I have in an open hand." because it just hurts too much when God pries open my fingers. The radical generosity that Jesus has demonstrated towards all of us is intended not only to bring about a deep sense of gratitude in our hearts, but it's also, it also exists to compel us towards radical generosity ourselves. That is why the church spread, that is why the church flourished, that is why the church became one of the most attractive institutions and communities that ever existed, because of the radical love that was demonstrated through radical generosity to what, towards one another. You know, earlier this summer, Raleigh, uh, my daughter, and Elliot, my son, wanted to do their first ever lemonade stand, and uh, this was back in June, I think, a few months ago, and uh, so we said, sure, this would be great. And uh, yeah, Okay, so you already see it. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Uh, so, you know, they, they did all the work. They got all the supplies and created the sign and did decorations, invited all of our neighbors and our friends. And, uh, you know, it was really amazing. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had uh, a lot of people come by, and, uh, and they did great. Actually have uh, homemade chocolate chip cookies there also. And uh, what I think I was most impressed with was uh, they made a killing. I mean, they made a lot of money. I think, like, by the end, uh, we weren't entirely sure because Raleigh just took all the money and went right to the piggy bank, uh, but I think it was around 50 bucks they made uh, for doing this for a few hours. I was like, yeah, this is a good business. Uh, and, uh, and it was funny, though, because, you know, she got all this money, and, uh, and Elliot, too. Elliot wasn't really interested. We kept trying to give Elliot money, and he was like, no thanks, and uh, so Raleigh, Raleigh did well. And, uh, And uh, you can take the picture. (laughs) You know, uh, that night I thought, hey, this would be a really great opportunity to talk to Raleigh about um, just money and generosity and following Jesus. You know, all these types of things, like life lessons, like I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to be a good dad and do this. And so we sit down and I'm on her bed. And I remember talking to her about this and said, "Um, hey, Raleigh, uh, you know, anytime that mommy and daddy make any money, uh, we always first like to give away part of that money. Like we just like to give it away usually to the church. And um, right from the beginning, I'll you know, we'll start with 10%. And I began like explaining to her, like this is what we do with money. And, uh, and then she, uh, in the most sincere way, just looked at me and said, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that and uh, i was like that's a great question that's so great you know, I, I was hoping you would ask that yeah you know, let me just tell you all you know I'm again like unloading like here are all these different reasons why you know first of all jesus tells us that we should be generous and and just give it away it's like a, it's a really healthy thing for us to do and you know that's the first thing but also like there's all kinds of other benefits of it you know one of the things that allows us to be able to have this church that we come together with all of our friends on on sunday we get to come together with our friends and learn about jesus and and uh, you know not only that but we get to do other things like we get to help start in other Churches all around our city. Like, think about Mr. Corbin. You remember Mr. Corbin? Yeah, I remember Mr. Corbin. Yeah, like, we get to help start his church and other churches like that. And uh, yeah, I gave her like five different, probably the most compelling reasons I could um, possibly imagine. And uh, you know what her response was? I think I'll let you and mommy give your money. <laughs> and like oh, okay like let me like uh, shift gears here and like what's plan b and i just like sat there and i thought uh and then it suddenly occurred to me at just the perfect time i said hey raleigh i said um do you remember when we did kids fest last summer and this was a few weeks before we did kids fest this summer i said do you know we did kids fest oh yeah i remember Kids fest. i remember submerge all the songs it was so much fun yeah yeah, yeah. submerge that was that was it and i said do you remember how much fun you had yeah, it was so great. Well, did you know that when mommy and daddy give money to the church, one of the things that it enables us to do, like one of the things that we can do then, is actually we can put on things like Kids Fest, where not only you, but kids from all of our neighborhood are able to come here and they're spending the week just learning about Jesus and how much he loves us and how much fun we had during that week. And she looked at me and goes, Really? I said, yeah, really. That's where the money goes? Yeah, that's where the money goes. And that, true story. That was the end of the conversation. Didn't say anything else. Not a single word. That was the, that's where it ended. A few days fast forward uh, to Sunday, and I still remember uh, standing in the lobby. I'd already been here at church, and uh, Raleigh comes in the front door, running through the lobby, and she comes right up to me and says, Daddy, where do we put the money for Kids Fest? <laughs> I was like, like what, are you, "What are you talking about?" I was so confused. I was so thrown off guard. And then uh, she began pulling out of her pockets these baggies full of coins, like handfuls of coins. Isn't these baggies? She begins pulling out. She was, "Daddy, the money for Kids Fest from the lemonade stand." <laughs> I almost just <laughs> try not to lose it in our lobby in front of everybody because what happened? Like she knew. She knew as a five-year-old that this place isn't just for me, but it's for the joy of people who don't even belong to the family yet. She knew that. You see, (laughs) the generosity of Jesus leads to deep gratitude deep gratitude leads to radical generosity. Radical generosity puts the gospel on display in the most beautifully bizarre way that a watching world can't help but notice, and when they do. And when they do, they, they're opening themselves to be eternally transformed by the gospel, by Jesus, now and forever. Friends, what does our city need? Like, what does our city need to flourish? What do you personally need to flourish? You know what I think our city needs? I think our city needs men and women who understand what it's like to be the recipients of radical generosity who will then become radically generous themselves, not just financially. Okay, I, I think it's important for us to understand we are talking about money, but not just money. We're talking about all of our lives. We're talking about whole life generosity here. We're talking about the entirety, our, our, our time, our money, our resources, our families, our gifts, all of it held in an open hand to be used however our king seems fit. You know, we say around here a lot that the Mark of a life well lived. The mark of a life well lived is not measured by what I can get or what I can keep, but it's what I can give away. That's a a legacy worth leaving, right? That's, That's the mark of the good life. It's your radical generosity for the sake of God's kingdom, not marked by what I can get or what I can keep, but what I can give away for God's kingdom. So what if we thought that way? I mean, just even think about that for a moment. What if you thought that way this way? What if we as a church continue to think that way? Not just getting momentarily inspired by a sermon or by somebody else's generosity, but that became a lifestyle for each and every one of us. I know some of you are already doing this right now, and it's, it's not just I mean, it's beyond exciting, right? You know, like the, the, uh, the level of joy that you are able to experience and walk in because of the generosity that you're demonstrating it's absolutely mind blowing. And others of you, maybe this is just a challenge for you tonight. I just encourage you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, as we do life in this city, a city in a city, you kind of come to the close of this series just dreaming, dreaming about what it looks like, even for the remainder of this year for our church to be a people whose reputation to outside, even people, I don't know what they believe. I'm not sure what they're doing. I don't know anything about them. I just know, look at the way they love one another. Look at the way they care for one another. Look how generous they are towards our city. That is our prayer. That is our desire. That's our prayer for you individually and for your families, for you, just to be someone, as you follow Jesus, that you are living in deep, deep gratitude, and that's making you a radically generous person. And that is our prayer for our church in the next couple months as we think about this fall that we would just be characterized so deeply by a, as a church who loves the gospel and knows that we've been radically loved and so we're going to pay that for it. Let us pray. God, we just, oh, we do give you thanks tonight. We know that uh, to live and to walk in deep gratitude is not something that comes naturally. We know that uh, for most of us, that's just not the natural propensity of our hearts. That's not the, the natural state in which we exist. And God, we, we, just, we just want to confess that we are deeply dependent upon you for that to be a reality. To live in gratitude, God, we need your spirit to produce that. We recognize it's nothing short but the miraculous work of God in our hearts to make us feel that and to live in it. I pray for the the believer here tonight who maybe just doesn't feel grateful, who knows the truths of who you are and what you've done, but just doesn't feel it. I pray even right now, this very hour, that your spirit would come so close. Comforting, encouraging, building up. Remind us of how loved we are. Remind us of how cherished we are. Remind us of everything that we have in you even when we don't feel it. God, for those who don't know you, I I just pray that this would, in some ways, just awaken our eyes and our hearts to, to see that the way that you've worked for us truly is the greatest sign of cosmic generosity this world has ever seen. That you died for us, that you were raised for us, that in you is truly life. I pray that we would see that and believe that. I pray for those who struggle to believe that, God, that even tonight your spirit would save. God, help us to be a people marked by gratitude and generosity. That is what we want, and that is what you want, and so that's what we ask for. We pray these things by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.